The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning once again, everybody. Welcome to the table. We hope that you are less spiritually hungry on your way out today than you were on your way in. That's kind of uh, partially what we mean by coming to the table and just seeing what God has for us here in this place. You never know what you're going to experience here at Mountain Park. Last week, we had a phenomenal uh, saxophone player who uh, lit it up, and then we did a little, uh, we played a little Texas Hold'em, and then we had Lady Gaga on the way out. I mean, it was just like the ultimate Sunday. And so uh, if you missed that, I'm so sorry. But as has been mentioned, uh, you, may, you picked a good Sunday today to be a part of what's happening here because it is Baptism Sunday. It was a few weeks ago that our students did uh, what we call winter camp. They went away for a weekend and uh, had a significant experience with one another, with their leaders, with God, and learning, learning more uh, about who, uh, who God is and, and God's plan for their lives. Uh, it was the first time for our family that all three of our kids went uh, to the winter camp. All three kids went to winter camp together, so it was a great weekend for them. Great weekend for their parents uh, on the winter camp this year. But uh, a lot of those students had significant experiences, and what we're doing is flowing out of that experience. We wanted to have a baptism uh, today. So there are some adults who are being baptized this weekend, but a lot of students and a lot of kids. And so uh, and the students are in, invited. They're not, having, they're not gathering in their space. They're gathering in our space here today. So students, wherever you are, so glad you're here. Welcome. Students, welcome. Also, mostly over here. I see. Okay. Are they young, good-looking over here? Okay. No offense. Uh, uh, but uh, I see a lot of students over there. There will be one more baptism this year, uh, one more baptism in this church, uh, and then the rest of them will be in, in our new church. Uh, I believe that is in May. It's going to flow out of our Easter experience. Uh, if you're interested in that, just kind of keep your uh, eyes and ears open for uh, the plan for all that. So today, as we head towards this baptism celebration and experience, I'm going to continue this journey that we've been on this year called Something New, that throughout the story of God, there's a a repeated invitation from God for us to be a part of something new, that God is doing something new in the world, and he's inviting us to be a part of that something new. Today, we're looking at this idea of a new name, that God wants to give you a new label. This is my wife's label maker machine. I got this for my wife on her uh, birthday a number of years ago. And uh, I know what some of you are thinking. It's, oh, you unwise child. You know, you might, might as well get her a vacuum. You know, get her a... But if you think that, if you say that, then you don't know my wife. Because this is her... This is, she says this is the best gift I've ever given her. Uh, which maybe doesn't say much about what I have given her. But... but she loves her label maker. She is very organized. Uh, in fact, this is her second one because she wore the first one out. Who wears out a label maker? Uh, it's, like a, it's like a hole punch. You use it until you can't find it. That's kind of the whole thing. But no, we can always find the label maker because it's in a drawer with a label on it that says label maker. Um, 
She loves the label maker, loves to use it, loves to organize things. She goes into our closet and click, 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 click. And then we'll put underneath exercise, you know, for the clothes that are exercise clothes. Tick, 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 tick. And then it'll put logo tees. And tick, 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 disgusting clothes that Alan needs to get rid of. She'll put whatever the thing might be. And she loves the label maker. So today, as we look at your life, your journey, however many years you've been on this planet, however many years that you have been thinking about who you are and, and how God has, has, has set you up to be the person that you are to be in the role that you are to play in God's story, what labels have been given to you? What labels has, have somebody in your journey at some point went and given you and once and, and, and said, cute, you're smart. You're alone. You're nerdy. What, what labels have people given you? Whatever labels or attributes, maybe you've had many labels stamped onto you throughout your journey. Whatever labels you have accumulated throughout your life, there is a God who knows you and wants to give you a new label. Wants to give you a new name. That's what we're looking at today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I'm so thankful to be here in this place, so thankful to set aside this time. We want to enjoy being together. Uh, we want to enjoy you. But God, I pray that we, would, um, that we would be attentive to the words that you have for us. Words are so powerful. The names that we have, that we have uh, allowed to be attached to us are so powerful. God, we want to wipe those clean. We want to receive the new labels, the new name that you have for us. Would you help us understand that and embrace that fully here today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Your name is a big deal. Your name is a very big deal. You're in a crowd and you hear your name and there could be seven Johns in the room. You hear your name. Those, those letters that were assembled on your birth certificate, they're a big deal. The, the, the name that you have, that you carry with you for your whole life. Your parents had a very big job in identifying and, and selecting your name. It was a very big job. And for some of you, you might be thinking, they did a terrible job with that. I mean, some of your parents really didn't do that great. I, I mean, some, some names are just, are just uh, amazing. I mean, I, there, there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's a guy um, named Mr. Light, first name Bud. That, that's his name. I mean, what are you setting that kid up for? You know, that'd be fun in, you know, in college, but really. There's uh, Miss Bacon, first name Christy. And, you know, what is that? There's, there's Mr. Knight, first name Jed, middle initial I. Uh, so the movie's great, but I mean, there's only so, so far you can go with that. I mean, sure you have your own versions of that, and you're thinking, oh, I've heard of this one, I've heard of this. Why don't, you, why don't you turn to the person next to you, if you have a name that you thought of that's better than the last three that I gave, and tell somebody next to you some ridiculous name that you've heard about or somebody that you know. Go ahead and tell them. Say, what's a ridiculous name? Because you know, I know you have one. I know you have one. See, we all have them. We all have heard those names. Those, our name, it is, we carry it with us our whole life. Stop. 
So, that, I mean, our names are a big deal. We carry it with us our, our whole lives, and they are, they are a part of our identity. Now, now, I know that there are, in the nation, there are some cool men named Melvin, but not many. I mean, that, that name, and there might be some, that's probably, that could be you. If your name is Melvin, that's probably, your, you're one of the exceptions. But, but sometimes a certain name goes in a certain direction. We have a pastor here on staff named Zach Schifferer. He is our connections pastor. It's, he's about helping us connect with one another in, in groups and relationships. And he and his wife, Alyssa, they have a little boy named Maverick. Maverick. This boy is set for life. I mean, there's no way you're going to be a dweeb and have the name Maverick. There's just no way. It's not, it does not compute. This guy's ready. He's ready to go. The name is, is so important. There is a village on an island uh, in the country of Wales. It's a part of the United Kingdom. It's on the west part of the United Kingdom. There is a small village there that has a very long name. It's not a typically English name, but it, is, it does use the English letters. It uses, uses the English alphabet. So I'm going to put the name up on the screen, and I want you to... You, I know you want to participate because you, you, you just participated a few moments ago, so you like to talk. So let's read this together, okay? I want to hear from you. We're going to read the name of this Welsh village together. Ready? Here we go. Let's read it together. Land fair will go in Golgon or Algerlaken first nerd Rob will and anti-slaken Gogol gosh. Good job. Good job. You're pretty close. You're pretty close. This is what we were trying to say. Listen, listen. Sanvair push gwingish goger churendropus santisilio gogogoch. Ah I did that earlier and recorded it. Um that's, that, this is a real name of, a, of an actual village, and this is what those letters mean. This, this is the actual meaning of these words. The church of St. Mary in a hollow of white hazel near to the rapid whirlpool and to St. Decilio Church near the Red Cave. That's what that, that's what that name means. And in essence, this name is actually quite reflective of names used in the Bible. Because this name literally identifies something about this village. Most of us, when we pick names as parents, we pick names because we like the sound of the letters. We like the, the, the way the, the letters sound. We, we, we think it's, it's unique sounding, so we like that. We, we change up the spelling so we can mess up every teacher for the rest of their lives. Or we like the name because a, 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 a famous person or because a grandma, etc. Uh, oftentimes, that's the way we pick names. Uh, not all the time do we look into the meaning of the name. You may or may not know the meaning of your name. But the way names are found in the Bible, the way names are used in the Bible, they had literal meanings literal meanings in Hebrew and in Greek that we miss sometimes. So going back into the Old Testament through the stories that we have been looking at, there's Abraham, whose name means father of many. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many. And he had a boy named Isaac. And do you know what the name Isaac means? <laughs> That's what it means, laughter. Isaac means laughter. And the reason his name, 
And the reason they called this boy laughter is because Abraham and Sarah had a boy when they were in their 90s. And they thought it was ridiculous that they would have a boy at that age. So their son Isaac, his name means laughter. Isaac had a son named Jacob. And that name means holder of the heel. Because Jacob had a twin brother named Esau. And he was hanging on to Esau's heel, wanting to be the firstborn, uh, but it ended up being the secondborn. That's part of the story of the birth of Jacob and Esau. That these names literally have uh, meaning in, in, in the Hebrew language. That's, and so our village in, in, uh, in Wales, on the island of Wales, it is... It is more uh, connected with how the Bible uses names, that your name, the assembly of those letters, is, is a part of your identity. It's, it's a label that is a part of who you are. It's not everything, but it's part of it. There are other names that we have embraced throughout our lives, names, uh, pet names, nicknames. Um, some you might love, some you might just have tolerated throughout your life. Sometimes we take names or words or concepts that have been a part of our journey and we embrace them as a part of our journey. We embrace them as true even though they might be the exact opposite of what God has for you. And yet we, we fold those in. Where we are in the story of God right now is we're in the second half of the Old Testament. And I, I refer to this second half as the exile because it's a central part of the Old Testament story. And it must be understood that the prophets and a lot of the writings in the second half of the Old Testament, they, they are about the exile. They're either before the exile or during or after the exile, which is this, this, this time in history when the prophets were saying to the people of God, if you don't change your way, God is going to kick you out of Jerusalem. They're going to kick you out of what we call modern-day Israel. They're going to kick you out of the, out of the promised land. And they did not change their ways. And they were, uh, they were exiled. They were kicked out of their uh, place. It was the Babylonians who came and wiped out Jerusalem. And so the people uh, from that area, a number of those people were sent to Babylon. The book that we're looking at today is the book of Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, we have, we, at the beginning, we have Daniel and four other Jewish men who, were, who are Hebrew men uh, from Jerusalem, from Judah, who were sent over to Babylon. And what I want to do is I want to look at the names that these four men had. If you had your Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of Daniel, to chapter 1 in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, and we read here what the king of Babylon's plan was for these four men, for a number of men who came from Jerusalem. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, says, Then the king, whose name was Nebuchadnezzar, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Sounds like Awatuki people, doesn't it? Right there. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. This was Nebuchadnezzar's plan, was to take the best and the brightest 
from Judah, from Israel, to take, take them into Babylon and train them over a three-year period to be Babylonian leaders. That was their plan. And part of that plan was to give them a new name. That's what we find in the next few verses. Verse 6, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. We're familiar with Daniel. Daniel's the, 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 is the one that the book is named after. Many of us are familiar with the story of the three men that we find in chapter 3. It's a great story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But those are their Babylonian names. Their names were changed. Daniel was his Hebrew name, but his name was changed as well. You may have known that their names were changed, but you may not know the significance of this name change in terms of how it would have affected their identity, their understanding of who they were. So let's look at each of these four names. Daniel, the Hebrew name means God is my judge. And this name was changed in Babylon to Belteshazzar, which means lady to protect the king. Lady to protect the king. Now, uh, some people believe that gender confusion is a new concept, is, an, is a 21st century issue or a 20th century issue. By no means is it. The enemy has been wanting to confuse our identity, confuse our, the, the label in terms of our gender since the beginning of time. So here, Daniel's given a, a, a very different name than the Hebrew name that he was given. Now let's look at the other four. We have Hananiah, which means God has been gracious, whose Babylonian name became Shadrach. I am fearful of God. That the shift there was, was, was God is powerful to I am fearful of God. Significant identity shift there for this young man. Uh, next name, Mishael, which is a great provocative and powerful question. Who is what God is? Who is what God is? And his name was changed to Meshach, which means shame. It's a shift from power to shame. And then finally, we have Azariah, which means Yahweh, or God, has helped. And his name was shifted to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, which is, which is a pagan god. God has helped. God is the helper. God is the one I'm looking for. God is the one I can lean on. Shift his identities and then shift to, I am a servant of a pagan god. These are significant uh, changes in their names, significant changes in their identity as they were given Babylonian names. Here's something we need to understand as we look at the exile story, that essentially the, the, the significance of the exile story is that you and I are in exile. You and I, in a sense, are in Babylon that this is not our true home, that God allows us to enjoy beautiful things in this home, to enjoy nature, to enjoy one another, to have great days, to have days of joy and days of celebration. But overall, this is not our final resting place, that this, this in a sense, is exile. God will take care of us. God loves us. God, God grows us. God invites us into terrific things. But we are in exile. And so what name has Babylon given you? 
What name throughout your journey has the world given you? Do you see yourself, have you been, have you been branded as cute or pretty or hot or babe? And some of you are going, yeah, that's right. <laughs> or maybe you've been branded on the other side. Maybe you've been branded nerdy or weird or ugly or, heaven forbid, average. Maybe you've been branded, maybe what you're kind of been stamped on, the label maker for you, is that you're a clown. Or maybe you're super intense. Or maybe you're an intense clown, which is really the scariest of all of them. <laughs> or maybe you have been branded, maybe there's a label on you that you're, you're a quitter. You're lazy. You're never going to amount to anything. You are clumsy. You're immature. What, what labels have been stamped onto you that have affected your identity, that have affected who you believe you are? Oftentimes, labels are, are very negative. They're very negative. And negative labels are destructive. And, and they cling to us, and we remember them. You, you may remember very little from middle school. It may have been a few years back. It may have been many years ago. You may remember may, uh, very few deals, de- uh, details from middle school, but I'm confident you remember names that were given you. I'm confident you remember uh, a nickname that you had that perhaps you didn't like that stuck or, or a word or a phrase that someone had given you and that that became a part of who you are. I remember... Um, Words having to do with my ears and my hair and my, my charming good looks and different things. Okay, just kidding. But um, different things from, from that era in life. You know, they say sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We all know that's hogwash. Sticks and stones, man, that stuff heals no problem. Those words, we hang on to them. Words from peers, perhaps. Words from teachers or a coach. Words even, even perhaps from, from a parent who said something to you at a moment, at a, at a not so great of a moment, and that word, that concept just was stamped onto you. Negative labels can be very destructive. But even positive ones can be a problem. Positive labels can be very distracting. That maybe you were labeled cute uh, 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 and that's, that's part of your journey, and you've been blessed with that, and you're thankful for that, and you were very attractive. But you know what? Cuteness gets taken over by gravity eventually. I mean, I mean gravity, it, it will bring you down, literally. I mean, literally. Gravity will bring you down. Essentially what that means, you are way more than cute, you are way more than that. And, and that kind of a label can limit you in terms of how you see yourself and how God can use your role in the kingdom. Maybe at one point you were labeled smart. You took a test when you were six years old. And it showed that you are gifted. You're smart. And so from then on, you rolled through your life thinking you're smarter than everybody else. And so you s- stopped working hard. And everybody else is working hard. You worked less hard because you're smarter than everybody else. And now you're smart. You know you're smart. Your, your brain works well, but life is frustrating because everyone else seems to be doing things that you aren't capable of doing and you can't put all the pieces together. Sometimes even a positive 
label can be distracting. So what label, what name has Babylon given you? What name has the world given you that perhaps you have embraced, you've fully embraced, this is who you are when it might be the opposite or something very much not in line with with who God has you, with, with how God sees you, with the label that God wants for you. So when it comes to your clothes, when it comes to the, the clothes that you're wearing, the shirt that you have on your back today, who has the right to label your clothes? I mean, I, I got a, I, 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 you know, you have some clothes. You have Nike, you have The Gap, you have Abercrombie and Fitch, whatever clothes you're interested in, whatever stores you like to go to. It, it, there's two people who have, two groups of people who have the right to label the clothes that are on your back. It's the designer, okay, the designer. Nike can put their name Anywhere they want on a shirt that you buy from them, they can, put it, they can put it seven times in a row on the front. They're the designer. They're allowed to do that. They can put Nike on that shirt. They can label that shirt as much as they want. The second person who has the opportunity to label your clothes is you, the purchaser. You get your clothes. You can put your initials on the tag. You can write your name somewhere. You can write on the front if you want. You can do whatever you want to, those, to, to your clothes. You can write whatever you want because they're yours. You've purchased them. If you buy something used from somebody else, you buy some, some sport equipment or a, a musical instrument or some kind of thing that comes in a box and it has their name on it, you've purchased it, so you're allowed to cross out their name and put your own name on it. You've put a new label on that. You're allowed to because you've purchased it. You don't go up to somebody else's equipment, somebody else's clothes, cross their name out and put your name on it. Don't do that. If you are doing that, that's not cool. You don't do that. That's just weird. We don't do that. There's two groups of people who can put a label on your clothes, on your stuff. It is the designer and it is the purchaser. So when it comes to you, not your stuff, when it comes to you, your heart, your soul, all that makes you, you, who has the right to put a label on you? And to pause for just a moment here. Pause for just a moment. This is a very important question because your answer to that question could change the trajectory of your life. Your answer to that question could change absolutely how you see yourself, how you see your future, how your future gets played out, gets walked out. Who has the right to put a label on you? It's the same two people. It's the designer and it's the purchaser. The designer of you is your father in heaven. God created you, God created male and female in his image. It is is the point of the beginning of the Bible to say, yeah, we can debate lots of issues in terms of how long this took and where, does, where do the dinosaurs fit in, where all of that stuff, great. But the essential part of the beginning of this is that God is the designer. God is the one who put breath inside you. God is the designer. He has the right to label you. He knows you and loves you more than anyone or anything could ever love you or know you. He has the right to label you because he made you. And secondly, the other one who has a right to label you is the one who purchased you. 
And that's what the story of Jesus on the cross is all about. This is a story of Jesus paying a price that you can't afford. That our sin, our brokenness separates us from God. And despite our great efforts, we can't can't pay that debt on our own. There's nothing we can do to, to pay that debt. And so Jesus pays that debt on the cross. Paul literally says in Galatians chapter 3, he says that Christ bought us with his blood. Jesus is the purchaser. Jesus is both the designer and the purchaser. Jesus is the one, the one and only one who gets to put a label on you. So what is that label? If you believe that, if you believe Jesus is the only one who can put a label on you, what label does Jesus or would Jesus like to put on you? Some people get a specific label, a unique and specific label. Simon was one of Jesus' disciples, and Jesus said to Simon, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new name, a new label. You are no longer Simon. You are Petra. You are Peter, which means rock. He only gave that name to one man. He said, you are the rock upon which the church is going to be built. You are Peter. Mm. A number of years ago, as I was journaling, many before I came to Phoenix, I mean, a number of years ago, I believe that, that God gave me a, a name, gave me a specific new name. And, um, and it's a private journey for me. I don't, I don't share it. I don't, uh, it's, it, what it is, it is, it helps remind me who I believe God sees me as. It, it's a very private and very important journey for me that when I start to slip, when I stumble, when I start to second-guess myself and, and, and move into insecurity, etc., it's when I start to embrace labels that other people are giving me. When I start to embrace labels that were not given to me by my designer or by my purchaser, but by other people. Because I believe my designer and purchaser has given me a name that reflects who he sees me as. Now, some people are given specific names, and I encourage you to seek out something that would be from God. But even if you don't have a specific name, there is a word that followers of Christ have embraced for hundreds of years. And it is a word that has significant meaning. We throw the word around a lot, and I'm not sure we always understand what it means. It's this word, Christian. It's this word, Christian. It is a, it is a, a label. It is a name that we must understand. Now, the root of the word Christian is that it was a slam. It was a slam on those who were followers of Jesus. The word literally means little Christ. You're a Christian. You're just kind of a a little Christ. You're following this Jesus. You're trying to keep this Jesus thing going. And they were ridiculed and called, you're just little Christians. And eventually, those who were followers of Christ kind of thought, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we are. We're, We're not Christ. We are little Christs. We want to be like Christ. And so this name stuck, and it has stuck for hundreds of years. This label of Christian. Here's, here's, something, here's something we have to understand. And I'm not sure everybody, I'm not sure everybody in, in, in our churches do. That a Christian is not about being a churchgoer. A Christian is not about growing up in a church home. A Christian is, is not about being a rule follower. 
A Christian is not about not drinking. A Christian is not about not doing drugs. A Christian is not about not stealing. A Christian is not even about believing everything that the Bible says. Because here we gather here in this space and we're learning together and not all of us are going to believe or understand everything that the Bible says equally. We're not going to be on the same page with everything the Bible talks about. In fact, the disciples, they, they were followers of Jesus. They were little Christians. They were little Christs, Christians. That's what they were called. But they didn't believe everything the Bible says because the Bible wasn't even written. So it's not about believing everything the Bible says. It's certainly not about agreeing with everything that is said as we gather here in this room. That's what it means to be a Christian. Let's not get confused. This label of Christian is for those who say, I am a follower of Christ. I am a, I am a little Christ. I am a follower of Christ. I'm trying to figure out what that is. I stumble. I uh, make mistakes. I have good weeks, bad weeks, good years, bad years. But a Christian means, uh, all it means is that I'm a follower of Christ. And I choose to follow Christ for the rest of my life. I take that stamp, I take that label on for the rest of my life. As I said this morning, a number of the people being baptized are young men and women. Young men and women who do not have an understanding of the complexities of human relationships like you do. Young men and women who do not have an understanding of theology like you. Young men and women who do not have an understanding of the complexities of tension around the world and, and how racial tension is so historical and religious tension is so historical and what's happening in other parts of the world. We're impacted by things that happened many years ago and how that affects us and how that's going to affect our future. Many of them may not have an understanding at all of all of that stuff, but what they understand and what they're doing today is they're saying before their family, before their friends, before all of us here in this room as they go out into that lobby and get baptized, they're saying, I am a follower of Christ. I'm a little Christ. I don't have it all figured out. But here's what it means. Those who are being baptized, those of you who are being baptized, it means you're saying publicly, maybe you were a Christian many years ago, but what you're saying here is this baptism is a public symbol of me saying, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to figure that out. I will no longer be labeled by Babylon. I will no longer be labeled by the world. I'm going to allow my designer, my purchaser, to label me Christian. I am a follower of Christ. I will love Jesus and follow Jesus for the rest of my life. Those of you who are being baptized, I want to invite you to stand up and slip out and go into the lobby. We're going to celebrate with you in just a few moments. Stand up and head out. If you are family and friends who want to be a part of what's happening in, in, um, in the lobby, please feel free to step out with them and celebrate with them. The rest of us are going to stay here in this room. We're going to worship, and we're going to celebrate on the screens what's happening out there as we get to know some of them a little bit and celebrate with them. And as we move into that, uh, I want to ask you to stand. Uh, I want to pray with you, and then the band is going to kick into some, uh, some worship time with us. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so thankful 
for the freedom that you give us from the labels that we have taken on our whole lives. Father, I pray for those here in this room who understand that, that the label that you've given them is, is, is Christian, is little Christ. Those who have understood that, who have embraced that, God, would, they, would, would, would we be energized and excited and inspired by the label that you give us, that we would no longer take on labels that Babylon wants to give us. And Father, I pray for any here in this room who are unsure about the labels that they have on them right now, who are unsure about where these labels are coming from or who they, who they give permission to give labels to them. God, God, I pray for an openness, a beautiful openness to, to your presence in their lives. God, that they would be stirred and want to be a little Christ. God, I pray for clarity in that as we celebrate these baptisms here in this place. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.